Hello and welcome to the Permanente Medicine Podcast. I'm Chris Grant, your host and Chief Operating Officer of the Permanente Federation, an organization representing the shared interests of eight Permanente medical groups, nearly 23,000 physicians, and over 80,000 employees. These podcasts are designed to get to know some of the most innovative minds in healthcare in a casual setting. Joining me today in the studio is Dr. Jay Ahmad and Dr. Amanda Williams of the Northern California, the Permanente Medical Group. Dr. Ahmad is a practicing family medicine physician, chief of complex and transitional care for Kaiser Permanente's Roseville Medical Center. He's a physician coach and promoter of wellness as a Permanente Medicine social media contributor. Dr. Williams is a practicing OBGYN, chairman of the TPMG Chiefs of OBGYN subgroup on pregnancy care, the medical director of maternity services for Kaiser Permanente's Oakland Medical Center, a mentor for underrepresented minority women in medicine, and a promoter of women's health as a Permanente Medicine social media contributor. Together, they have a combined 38,000 followers on Twitter. Wow, what a long list of accolades and experiences. Good afternoon to both of you, and thank you for joining us. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much for having us. Well, why don't we get started? And and I always like our listeners to just get to know a little bit about you. Dr. Ahmad, let us know what originally brought you to Kaiser Permanente, and what does it mean to be practicing Permanente medicine? It was 2005, and I just finished my training in family medicine and master of public health. I was looking for an organization that embraces technology, population health, more importantly, diversity and inclusion and community health, and I found it. And 14 years later, I'm still here, and I am so grateful for the opportunity. And we're delighted you're here because you're obviously having a huge impact within the Kaiser Permanente family, but also externally with such a dynamic social media presence. Dr. Williams, what brought you to Kaiser Permanente and what motivates you to continue to practice Permanente medicine? Well, first of all, I didn't realize that Jay and I joined at the same time. I joined in 2005 also. But my uh, attraction to Kaiser Permanente actually started far before that. It started when I was in medical school, and I did the combined MD-MPH program. And in public health school, I took a course on comparative healthcare systems. Right. And my final project was to use different portions of medical systems from around the world to design your own system. And I designed my system, and my professor gave me a terrible grade. I was like, what is this? He said, this is just Kaiser Permanente. (laughs) And I was on the East Coast. I'd never even heard of Kaiser Permanente before because this was uh, 1998. And indeed, that's where the bug got started. So that when I was finishing my specialty training in OBGYN, I had a good inkling that this was a place where my interests in health policy and management and my interest in clinical medicine could come together so that we could really take care of people along the health spectrum, which extends beyond just the uh, physician and doctor relationship. Wow, that's fantastic. So we could say that both you and Sidney Garfield were the visionaries of Permanente Medicine, just at different points in time (laughs) along the history. Uh, You know, you both are mentors to me on social media, and I've been following both of you 
for uh, quite a while on Twitter. You both have a vibrant, very positive spirit to you with a lot of practical, helpful advice and encouragement. And you're two of the most familiar faces on Twitter for Permanente Medicine. You both are incredibly active, and I'm amazed at, at how active you are on social media. How do you decide what to tweet and how do you put your content together? And how the heck do you find the time to do it being very busy professionals with large patient panels and families of your own? I always spend 15 minutes at the top of the day looking at certain lists and then looking at top news stories. And so if there's anything that's new that's in my field, I know that that's the first thing that I want to get out. If I don't get out something about wellness and starting the day first. And then if things happen organically in the course of my day, I never hesitate to put it up. So I keep my phone in my pocket all the time, uh, and I pull it out, even between patients, right when I'm about to scrub for the operating room. I can do it pretty quickly. That's terrific. So it's your therapy for yourself when you wake up in the morning. Mm -hmm. You plan your content that's going to flow out through the day, and then you supplement it depend upon what happens throughout the day. Mm -hmm. I love it. I just want to add one thing around that, which is really to be passionate about this work. It's total volunteer work. I see it myself as a community benefit. I am actually creating a community and also nurturing a community. And then I use a lot of what Dr. Williams said. In addition to that, I do you know, I allocate, you know, four or five hours to create tweets for almost 15 days. And then I would redo them as I post them and make sure that, you know, they have what it takes to be spread and to add a, a positive vibe to your day. So you are more likely to notice it between all the tweets and you're more likely to amplify it. And, you know, I, I'm not hiding it. My focus is to make people feel better, eat well, and stay active. And in doing so, stay resilient and have less mental health challenges. I think there are tons of different ways that one can do it. One of our new CEO, Rich Isaac's tenants or pillars now is JAM, the joy and meaning in the practice of medicine. Right. And this social media work is absolutely my JAM. This is what really gives me joy in my practice. I'm happy that you're both doing what you're doing because it's making a big difference. So I read last year <clears throat> that in the United Kingdom, they have appointed a minister of loneliness, in part due to research indicating that loneliness is as much a risk factor for early death as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. That said, social media can sometimes provide a pretense of community, yet at the same time can make people feel even more disconnected from others. How should someone who uses social media leverage it to build meaningful connections? I totally agree with the concept that not only the social isolation definition of loneliness, but also the feeling lonely, even though you are surrounded by people. Actually, there was a book printed 
crawled alone together. And right. I want to borrow uh, Mother Teresa uh, saying, she said once in 1975 that the most terrible poverty is loneliness. Right. And I truly believe that. And we can all reach out and help someone feel less lonely. Mm -hmm. You know, as uh, physicians, as organization, we all have that opportunity to destigmatize mental health, destigmatize, you know, asking for help. That is something we can do very well on social media. And then it will also trickle down to participating in community efforts to do that. I think also, Jay, what you're really speaking to is showing vulnerability. And as physicians on social media, we have the opportunity to show a little bit of vulnerability. And I believe that creates space for others to show theirs. And when we're tweeting to our physician colleagues, they know that they're not alone. Right, right. It's it's a nice vehicle to remove stigma by, by our, our own demonstration of our vulnerabilities and perhaps just to reach individuals, patients, members that otherwise would be leery about accessing the healthcare system. But when they see a community that is speaking freely about needs or concerns, it may provide just the right encouragement. I'm going to shift gears here a little bit. Have you ever posted something on social media and been surprised by the reaction? For me, what surprised me the most, even though now I'm kind of used to it, is that when I tweet from the heart, when I tweet from my own perspective or from my own experience, people pick it up immediately. And that's what gets really broadly retweeted, especially if it's a common experience. Mm -hmm. So for example, when I tweet about my sadness and agony when my son was in the intensive care unit, right. and it is the you know, National Preterm Labor Awareness Day, that will get picked up right away, as opposed to tweeting about, hey, be sure to check for preterm labor when you see your patients. It's very different. Right. Or when the lady in the coffee cart calls me miss and calls the resident who's a white male doctor, and I'm 15 years his senior, I'm the chief of obstetrics, and yet I'm miss and he's doctor, that kind of stuff is like a punch in the stomach. And black women in the workplace face that everywhere. So when you speak to a sensitive but somewhat ubiquitous experience for certain populations, that gets picked up and spread. And that really surprised me how powerful that was in the Twitterverse. Showing your humanity and showing your own desires, interests, vulnerabilities is what connects us all together. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about women's health. Why is this so important, Dr. Williams, in women's health? So many issues in women's health are considered private. Or, you know, the United States is a puritanical society. That's how we began. And being open about issues of obstetrics, gynecology, uh, femininity, women's health, that's not broadly spoken about. And so when we're living in a world of shame about miscarriages, infertility, menopause, sexual health, that really keeps women isolated. Mm -hmm. So when we can lift that veil and create community, create a common language, I think that we're doing tremendous good 
in the Twitterverse uh, to help women be connected and feel less shame about their experiences. That's terrific. And it is such a powerful tool to reach the masses and perhaps some of the topics that folks would be the most apprehensive to seek help on. Mm -hmm. I'm going to look ahead. Many of our future incoming medical school students could be considered digital natives. What do you think they can teach us about leveraging technology to be better communicators and better care providers? I love that question. Uh, thank you. I believe that they can teach us to be high tech without losing the human touch. I truly believe in the next generation leading us in that way. I really believe that they can take us to the next level in the innovative use of technology to provide care at patients' home. I am very optimistic that they can take the principles of design thinking and uh, behavioral economics using emotional messages to inspire people changing behaviors, using uh, empathy in everything we, we do from the moment that you walk into the doctor's office to the moment you uh, leave. We can create love at the first touch at every first touch with our healthcare system. And I am very optimistic around the people who are leading the med, med school and then what is coming out from them so far. I'd like to ask, why is it important that there be physicians on social media? Often we see corporations and we see administrators dominating the platform, but why doctors? So I think part of what differentiates Permanente Medicine is that it is a physician-run organization. So if we are a physician-run organization, we need to have physicians facing forward. We don't have an administrative army protecting us. Also, I think it helps our brand to know that we are real people. I'm not a shy person. I tweet personal information, not infrequently. Mm -hmm. And I think that that connection, that we are part of humanity. I'm a mom, too. I like to go work out just like you do, the person who I'm interacting with. I think that creates a space for the people who are interacting with us to have comfort with the care that they're getting in Permanente Medicine. So let me pull a little bit of a thread on that message. So how have you learned to balance that sharing of your own personal life and personal beliefs alongside your responsibilities in Kaiser Permanente and in TPMG? When I think about social media, I think about relationship building and I think about humans connecting with other human beings and easier to connect with humans than connecting with corporation and or brands. Mm -hmm. And I believe that is, you know, humans will bring that sense of comfort, empathy, and trustworthiness. And people can see that face and can feel that energy and can resonate, can almost sing a song together. Right. Uh, you become the humanity of Kaiser Permanente. To, to some extent, right, by really sharing a bit of yourself and interacting maybe with a, as a corporate representative, but really as a caring doctor looking out and understanding their needs. You know, I remember 20 years ago listening to radio shows, and it was a doctor advice, 
And, you know, now you turn the clock ahead and the audiences in social media are much greater. And the records, quite frankly, of things are tweeted or posted or blogged become permanent. I expect that many physicians are weary about joining social media, especially without the guidance of how to handle some potentially difficult situations. What would you recommend to other doctors looking to join, and what would you caution them to be mindful of? Well, I think all of us have in our intro that tweets do not equal medical advice. Right. So that is our sort of number one disclaimer. One of my favorite things to tweet about, actually, are big studies. So studies that come out, new recommendations from American College of OBGYN. I think those are fruitful because the popular press will be picking them up along with our professional press. So to add my own little twist on that and how to bring that to light either for my physician colleagues, like, hey, really look at the sample size in this, or let's really look at the patient population, or to the patient, like, hey, read this. This really matters. But in terms of giving direct medical advice, I always try to direct the patients back to their clinicians. But if there's a nugget that is generalizable, I think that it's fine to comment on it. Right. And it's an opportunity, and both of you do a wonderful job of educating kind of broad populations around whether it's preventative care or wellness or healthy eating or exercise. I mean, both of you are so uh, inspirational in that regard. But I would imagine that on occasion, it really is a unique patient-centric issue or a need where clinical intervention is needed, and you might want to figure out a pathway to take that patient offline and engage with them and get them the right support. Absolutely, especially if they're upset about something. We do try to work through member services, if they're a member of ours, to make sure that their needs are getting addressed. You know, I would say first, it is okay not to join social media as a physician, as a profession. Uh, I know most physicians are on some sort of social media themselves, and they use it for their own... On a personal level. Yeah, on a personal level. But if you are intrigued and curious, it is an excellent medium to inspire, inform, and empower around your area of expertise. And uh, as a physician, if you are thinking right now to join your favorite medium, it could be Twitter, it could be Facebook, it could be Instagram, you name it, just find what matters to you, what brings you a joy and, and meaning, and think of it as volunteering your expertise and your time. You're contributing to the body of knowledge, and you immediately feel part of this network that starts following you. And then think about if you had to write a book about your expertise in a whole year, and divide it into short tweets or Instagram posts or Facebook, do that. And then suddenly you you start like having that that feeling of using technology and social media for good. Right. And it reflects back at you and, and stay with this uh, mindset of inspire, inform, and empower. It's a great opportunity and also a great way to embrace joy and meaning in medicine. That's wonderful. It is. It's that daily dose of advice or inspiration that on a cumulative basis across a year 
becomes pretty powerful. And as I look at both of your social media presence, I mean, you have thousands of tweets and posts. You have thousands and tens of thousands of followers. So obviously, it's a sustained and broad outreach. Um, Our industry has critical regulations in place to protect patient privacy. Yet, we're seeing more and more individuals sharing personal health information in the public domain. What do you think is the best way to address the openness that the community, especially the young community, feels very comfortable sharing, yet maintaining the privacy requirements of a healthcare system and government regulations such as HIPAA? I think that there's strength in community. It's a core belief of mine. So I want patients to be talking to each other. I hope that they talk to their physicians too, but there do have to be boundaries. So I think chat groups, especially uh, in Facebook, can be incredibly strong. Um, And patient support groups, I think, also have a lot of value in them. Now, how we as physicians enter that conversation, I think, can be a little bit dicey. It can be really helpful to provide comments, to lead people towards various organizations or support groups. But I try to make my comments always high-level, generalizable, and rarely directly comment on a specific situation. Uh, If somebody DMs me on Twitter, I will answer their question as I would a general question as opposed to their specific condition and then point them back to their doc. That's great. And I would imagine if you see someone who's really vulnerable or in need that you may take them offline Absolutely. And, and get them directed to the right help. Mm-hmm. Outstanding. You both are my heroes on social media. You're out there. You're um, educating so many individuals on a daily basis. You have profound followers and your messages are so positive that I want to thank you. It's been a great afternoon discussing this interesting topic. I appreciate all the fantastic work in representing Kaiser Permanente and Permanente Medicine when in person in our facilities and virtually on social media. (laughs) I'd also like to put in a plug for your Twitter accounts as you both provide great information that many of our listeners would appreciate. Doesn't matter if you're a doctor or you're a patient or you're an upcoming medical school student, I want to encourage you to follow Dr. Williams and Dr. Ahmad on Twitter, and you can find them at kpobgyndoc and at kpbwelldoc. And you can also follow me at cmgrant. And with that, I'd like to thank both of you for joining me today. It's been such a pleasure. Thanks so much. It's been great. Our sincere gratitude. Have a great afternoon, everyone, and thank you for tuning in.